This is the Future of HR podcast, episode 41. For an HR leader, you need to have the courage to always have a perspective and not shy away from having that perspective and having the courage to share it. I've spent many times with HR people where they'll tell me how they think and then they'll get into a room with business leaders and they don't say a word. And I will say that is, to me, the differentiator between a successful HR leader and somebody who's not successful. What characteristics separate the best HR leaders from the rest? Hi, I'm your host, JP Elliott, and this is the Future of HR podcast, the only podcast whose mission is to inspire the next generation of HR leaders. On each episode, I interview successful HR executives and thought leaders who are reimagining, rethinking, and leading our field into the future. During our candid conversations, you will learn about their career journeys, their lessons learned along the way, and their insights on how to take our field, and most importantly, your career to the next level. My guest this week is Paige Ross. Paige is the global head of human resources at Blackstone, which is the world's largest alternative asset manager with $991 billion in assets under management. As CHRO for Blackstone, Paige oversees human resource management globally for the firm. And in 2022, she was recognized as one of the top 40 CHROs by Into Growth. Prior to joining Blackstone, Paige served as the Managing Director of Talent Management at Centerbridge Partners, with a focus on leading talent management across the portfolio companies. She has also held senior human resource leadership positions at Pfizer, Avon, and PepsiCo. I really enjoyed my conversation with Paige and appreciate her candid answers and straightforward advice. In this conversation, Paige and I discussed the importance of a key question and the role it can play in assessing talent and potential, why she went against her mentor's advice in making a big career decision and how it paid off, why she believes you make better hiring decisions when candidates interview with more people, not less, why she believes HR leaders need to balance courage and humility and the promise she makes to senior leaders that she supports, and much more. Paige, welcome to the Future of HR podcast. Thank you for stopping by today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're really excited to have you here today, and just honestly can't wait to dive into your career, how you think about culture, and what great HR looks like to you. I want to start a little bit back when you were asked to take a promotion. You were at Avon. Yes. And you're asked to take on a promotion to lead HR for North America, which is obviously a big job, right? And you initially hesitated. Why was that? And what made you ultimately decide to take that VP role? Well, I had what I would consider at the time the best job in, in, the, in HR. I had the global supply, the head of HR for global supply chain. And my role, I had just spent the last two years taking an organization, working hands in glove with the head of the business to look at a very, very decentralized supply chain organization and decide what needed to be local, regional, and global. And it was amazing. And it was a great experience. And I had just finished the work and the head of HR came to me and said, well, we're going to move you into our North America business. It's a turnaround. And I said, I don't want to. I love my job. I've just done this global job. It's big. And, and he said to me, you know, I'm quite confident you know how to do strategy. I'm quite confident you know how to build. What I don't know 
is can you do turnarounds? Can you manage a P&L? And if you really want to grow as an HR leader, you need to demonstrate those capabilities. And so it's great to do something when you build it when the world is going in a positive direction, but can you help turn it around? And to your question of whether or not what made me decide, I wasn't given much of a choice. I was told you need this capability. And so I took it and it was an incredible opportunity because I was able to work with a business leader who had a very different focus than the prior leader that I worked with, but was equally as talented and capable. And so I had this opportunity working with very different styles and learning muscles I didn't have before. That's incredible. And, you know, as HR practitioners, HR professionals, we had to have different experiences. We have to understand what it looks like when a company's growing really fast. And what does it look like? How do we add value when the company's a turnaround? And, and both are critical capabilities because you need to be able to demonstrate both. And Paige, when your leader, I think I know we're talking about from a CHRO perspective, but he's one of the best. But the reality is, I think they had a key question on you. And maybe not all listeners understand the idea of a key question, but all of us in all of our jobs have a key question where we're saying, what's the one thing we need to know about Paige or JP that will tell us this person has higher potential, can go farther, go faster in the company, and proves to us they can do more? And so for you, his question was, can you turn around the North America business? Could I turn around the North America business and can I manage a P&L? Because in the global role, I didn't have a, a global P&L. The P&L still stayed within the business unit. And I agree with you completely. Every time I talk about talent and bench, I always talk about what's the question when we're interviewing people and people, and I get asked this all the time, can you interview this person for this role? My first thing I will say to the person who asks me is, what's the question you want me to help answer? It's a really good question. And then what do you do with that? So they say, well, Paige, I need to know, are they capable of doing this job or do they have this experience? Does that help you then tune into where you want to go in the interview? Absolutely. I'll ask very specific questions around that area that they want me to focus. I'll ask, like, give me an example. What went wrong? What, didn't, what did you do to fix it? And what did you learn from it? But I will drill down because it's very easy, especially in an interview time frame where you have maybe an hour to skim it as opposed to get deeper into somebody's experience. I love that. That's so helpful. It's a great helpful tip. After Avon, you had a stint at Pfizer, and then you got the call to join Centerbridge Partners, which is a global alternative asset investment firm, as our managing director of talent, which is really very different than being an HR business partner in a corporate big company. How is this role different from any role you've had in the past, and how did it help prepare you to be the global head of HR at Blackstone? Well, I will say when I went to do that role, every single mentor of mine told me not to do it. It was between that role and a CHRO job of a global company. And I was weighing the two of them. And the reason why I chose it, first of all, I thought the people were extraordinary. But secondly, I had never done anything like that before. It went from managing a team to being an individual contributor. And what came through my thought process was, okay, I'm going to try it. It's different. It's unique. And if it doesn't work, what's the worst thing that happens? I do it for a year. And then I go off and do something else. Every single one of my mentors said, you should take that CHRO job. Are you crazy? And I was the first person to have done that job in Centerbridge. And so mentors of mine thought higher risk from that perspective too. I didn't view it that way. I thought it was exciting. I got to create something. 
And candidly, I would have never gotten my job at Blackstone had I not taken a chance and learned that because it made me learn about the old industry. It made me understand about making investments in portfolio companies, the type of management and leadership that's needed. And so it very, it very much prepared me for a different type of role where had I taken the traditional CHRO role, it wouldn't have prepared me for my current role nearly as much. Culture is a big buzzword, right? We talk about culture a lot. Every company talks about culture. And in HR, it can just mean different things to different people. How do you define culture and why is it important? So I agree with you. Culture is a huge buzzword. And, and everybody remembers the book where it was coined, culture each strategy every day. I happen to believe that's true. For us, our culture is performance-based. We really want a high-performing culture that's made up of people that are extraordinarily talented. And then we have an extra piece that we really emphasize, which is niceness. We really focus on hiring people that are smart, work hard, care a ton, and are nice. And Steve will talk about this a lot. It's just as easy to hire a very smart person that's nice as it is to hire a smart person that's not nice. And so why would you do the not nice part? And we're fortunate, and I'm extraordinarily fortunate that a lot of people want to work at Blackstone. So it's an easy thing for me to say, you know what? That's part of the scorecard of who we bring in. When you think about assessing for that talent, is there a rubric that you guys have looked at and started to figure out? Because I think you're right. It's easy to hire someone who's nice as someone who maybe has sharp elbows. But how do you figure that out in the interview process? You guys have thought about that to shape the culture, it sounds like. We absolutely have. And it's funny, and I've evolved my thinking around this. When I first started interviewing people and hiring, I used to say, interview as few, a, a candidate should interview as few people as possible to make a decision. I slipped completely the other way. I think that a candidate should meet a lot of people because it helps you learn about them and then learn about the culture that your firm has. And so we will interview for what I would call the nice factor. And I hate the word of culture fit because I don't know what to do with that, but I do know I can interview for being smart, for being a team-oriented person, somebody who works hard, cares a ton, and uh, collaborates. I can absolutely get interviewed for that. And we can get multiple points of view from people who interview them. That's terrific. So you're not worried about, well, we're going to interview this person seven, eight times, have very similar interviews. Like, hey, let's go through that process. Let's get to know them. Every opportunity is really an opportunity to assess how they're going to fit, how they're going to behave once they get the job. A hundred percent. And think about it as a realistic job preview. It doesn't help anybody. If I told you you could come to Blackstone and work 10 to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then you came here and that's not the hours. What good does that do? I would much rather tell you, you know what? You're going to come here. You're going to work really hard. You're going to do great work and you'll be in an environment and a culture where you can thrive. That to me is more realistic. I think you're right. That realistic job preview that there's expectations are set. You get to know people. You kind of what you're getting into because a lot of times when you go the opposite way, well, let's have the shortest amount of interviews, the least amount of interviews. Well, how much do you really know about the company when you come in or even your boss? A lot of times you really don't. And people are making big decisions that really are honestly life-changing without a lot of information. So you guys have gone a different route, it sounds like. Completely different route. And I couldn't agree with you more. As I've, I've gotten more mature in my career, I'm always amazed when people will make a decision that quickly without doing their homework because it is a, it is a life-changing decision. 
And if you think about it, most people spend more time with their colleagues than they do with their family. And so why wouldn't you want to make sure it is the right culture we can thrive? And I'm a big believer that not every culture is right for everybody. And that's okay. Absolutely. And Paige, what do you think about HR's role in creating or shaping culture? I think we're partners. I think that everybody owns the culture of a company from the most senior people who set this. I think a CEO sets the tone of what their expectation is, but it's at every single level down to every two person's direct manager and HR is there to support and guide, but we don't own the culture. We can't. So you think about the elements of culture and how HR can help shape that. Where do you think HR should be spending their time and where should we not be spending our time around culture? I think we should be spending our time around understanding employees' motivation and engagement. So we do an engagement survey every year and, what, and we measure very specific things that we think are important to our culture. I think HR is responsible for making sure that we accurately measure both where we want to be as well as where there's opportunity to improve as well as then working with each of the groups at every level to make sure that we're focused on the right things to improve. It's a really a data-driven approach. I think anybody who says they know exactly what the culture is without any data or analytics doesn't know nearly as much as they think they do. For sure. I think we're always kind of guessing a little bit, right? The higher up we go, the less truth we get. We start moving further and further away from what really people are saying about the culture and what really matters. What about things that HR maybe is spending time on that maybe they shouldn't be spending time on? It's a great question. We spend a lot of time on that. I would say, and my team does not do this. I think that it would be anything that that we don't view as value added. So everything that HR does, we should be taking a step back and saying, does it add value? And so when my team goes through our business priorities of the year, we bucket it into talent, employee experience, and operations. And so each one of the things we focus on should fit into one of those buckets. And if it doesn't, then we don't do it. And then it's tied back to your business strategy. 100%. Correct. And it's everywhere from making sure you're attracting talent to recruiting, to developing that, to onboarding them, to developing them, and for, and to compensate them. Make sure that you have the whole cycle. Are there things that you think if an organization that maybe isn't so high performing today or trying to get a more performance-driven culture, are there fundamentals or foundational things that they should be thinking about and trying to put in place to get that moving? I think it's setting up what's your goals and then measuring against those goals. If people say, I want to be a high-performing culture and I want to achieve this in six, nine, 12 months, and you don't have periodic check-ins on how you're achieve, how you're working towards achieving those goals, we never will achieve them. What gets measured gets done. And so for high-performing culture, I would say make sure you identify what success looks like and then milestones on your way to get there. And I think the biggest piece is making sure you have the right talent and capabilities to get there. Absolutely. That's the, the key lever that HR can really help with. Absolutely. From a leadership perspective, you've been known to say that HR leaders have to balance courage and humility. Tell us more about why you believe this is important and what that looks like in practice. For an HR leader, you need to have the courage to 
always have a perspective and not shy away from having that perspective and having the courage to share it. I've spent many times with HR people where they'll tell me how they think and then they'll get into a room with business leaders and they don't say a word. And I will say that is to me the differentiator between a successful HR leader and somebody who's not successful is that courage of their convictions to be willing to share it. And it doesn't mean your leaders are going to listen to you all the time. If you asked every leader I've ever supported, they would say they always knew where I stood. And I think that is the key part. Doesn't mean they're going to follow everything I do, but they will listen. And they always know I'll be candid and I'll be transparent. And then humility is the ability to know that you don't know everything. And I think of humility as always being in a learning environment and always trying to get better and always seeing what else is being done. Because if you come at something where I'm always right, you will never learn and you will never get better and you will never improve. Courage and humility is really important. It made me think about times when we know our leaders are going to disagree. Like we disagree with the leader and we're, and we're speaking truth to power at that moment. They know where you stand, but they don't agree. What advice do you have for someone when they're in that situation? How do they handle that? I've always put a contract with the leaders I've supported. From the day I start working with them, I will always say to them, you will always get the truth from me. My entire goal, which I think is important to state, is to help you be the best leader and this firm have the best leaders that we have. I have no ulterior motive. And so with that, you will always get the honest truth from me. And then we can talk about it and... You may decide against that or you may decide to go a different route, but you'll always get the honest truth from me. And I will get calls. I got a call yesterday from, from one of our leaders and the person said, I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to try it anyway. And as soon as he was done, I said, so here's how I think about it. He said, yep, I knew that's what you were going to say. And he came back to me again today and said, I have another way of thinking about it. And it's because he knows that I will always give him an honest perspective. And I do think to your point, the more senior you get, it's harder to get people to be transparent and be honest with you. And you will always get that from me. I'm an honest broker. And I do believe when I look at the success of my team, that's what's going to be the key piece is whether or not they actually can learn, grow, and always share a perspective and help shape the organization. Paige, last question. What is one word or phrase that you believe will define the future of HR over the next five to 10 years? The best way to predict what will happen in the future is to create it. Dream big. I think about the evolution of HR and 10, 15 years ago, nobody thought about analytics. Now you never think about doing any decisions without it being data-driven. I couldn't be more excited about our future and what it's going to bring. And I look forward to it, but I don't think we know 100% what it'll be yet. Paige, you're probably right, but it's best for us to create our future. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Terrific conversation. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Future of HR podcast. Thanks again to Paige for sharing why she believes the best HR leaders balance courage with humility. As always, you can go to futureofhr.com to view all of our past episodes and learn more about our mission to inspire the next generation of HR leaders. And if you enjoyed this episode of Future of HR, be sure to subscribe and share our podcast with at least one other person. This really helps us grow the podcast and helps with our mission of inspiring the next generation of HR leaders. 
We will be back next week with Dr. John Bordeaux and Pete Ramstad, who have collaborated in HR research and co-authored the classic book, Beyond HR. In addition, Dr. John Bordeaux is recognized worldwide as one of the leading evidence-based visionaries on the future of work and organization. He has produced over 200 publications, including more than 10 books. Pete is a two-time CHRO researcher and now a strategy and organizational consultant who spends much of his time focused on how CHROs can be even more effective. In our conversation, we'll cover their landmark research and discuss how HR can be more of a decision science like finance and accounting. Thanks again for listening to the future of HR and being part of our community.